runasradio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell and Greg Hughes. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 233 with guests Susan Bradley and Kevin Royalty. Recorded Wednesday, September 7th, 2011. Run As Radio is produced each week by Quap Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow the boys on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. I've got Greg Hughes with me. Hey, man. What's going on? Uh, too much yet for a little run as? Yeah, definitely. Good news. Definitely some small business server talk, I think, that we want to do today. Because oh, I've got a couple of small business server heroes on the line. Our regular visitor, uh, Susan Bradley, I guess I'll give her first billing, so she's been here first. And uh, she started her career in computing with IBM 8088s. I love them. And the compact luggable portables, the things that look like I remember a suitcase. Those. Yes, with the keyboards that snapped on the bottom and became feet for your baggage. That was cool. And it, didn't it have like a little compartment on the left side where you could sort of slide floppies and stuff like that in there? The original tablet PC, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I call my motion computing tablet iPad 0.5, but you're talking about iPad 0.1. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Very old school. Very cool. And of course, uh, sbsdiva.com talks all about uh, small business servers, has done the, uh, the SBS 2008 Unleashed book. And we have a cohort of hers as well, Kevin Royalty, who's the managing partner for Total Care Computer Consulting. And since 86, Kevin has been satisfying the needs of clients as an IT professional. He is a computer science graduate, a Microsoft certified systems engineer, and is certified by Microsoft for support of their small business server products. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, sir. Hey, both of you. So it seems like this whole conversation started out because I saw Hewlett Packard, who at the same time seems to be unloading their PC business, released a new line of small business server focused products called microservers. So we get the elephant off the table. Yeah, hit me. Yes, whoever. <laughs> did the PR work on the personal computing side of HP. I hear they got yeah. fired for good reason. <laughs> fortunately, the server side still has their head screwed on quite nicely. And they're coming out with the OEM version uh, of the small business server essentials on a really nice, cute little box. There's Tiny no little box. At, at an unbelievable price, like three or $400. Oh yeah, it's a oh. great little box. So, so you buy it, get it shipped to you, open the box and turn it on. Open the box and turn it on, and and not to mention, and I'll let Kevin go into more of the tech details on this. Um, it has some really cool features for being a low inexpensive box, including some re- remote access technologies. Yeah, huh. that's cool. the fun part. All right, where do we start on this? So, I mean, remote access doesn't seem like the obvious starting point, but that, that obviously is a strength. I have, must have an internet connection in my business of some form. Yeah, let me tell you a little bit of how this works. The microserver itself is a very small uh, server. It's one of the smallest uh, ProLiant servers I've ever seen uh, HP produce. I don't know of any smaller ones personally. Um, one of the things that I like about it is the fact that it's, one, inexpensive. Two, it's truly a server. Uh, it is 
backed by uh, server warranty. You can get the same server warranty support with it as you would with any other other ProLiant servers. And it has this really nifty $79 US add-in card called the Remote Access Card, or the Rack Card. There's two slots in this little server, and this will, of course, take up one of the slots. And I'll tell you that when I first put the card in, uh, I saw the Ethernet port on it and plugged in an additional network cable, because there's already an Ethernet built into the unit. So I plugged in the second Ethernet and turned the server on and noticed that I didn't get a display. Like, oh, what's going on here? It was working before. Is this like a lights out card? Uh, it's, it's like a lights out card, yeah. Yeah, very cool. It's not as full featured as the ILO that's built into the full ProLiant servers, um, but it's pretty darn good for the $79, and there's no subscription fee, there's no license fee, like you would have to pay with the ILO. Um, and one of the things I will tell you is, in my, in my playing around with, with the box when I first got it, is when you plug in this ILO card, it also has a video on the card. has a VGA oh, cool. port. And you already have VGA on the back of the microserver. So when you put one of these cards in, you need to move your monitor connection from the onboard video to the rack card. The way they design this server is once you put the rack card in, the onboard video is disabled. So you have to use the rack card's video. Interesting. And cool. it's the way that they do it, because they redirect all the video, instead of going out the port that's built into the motherboard, it goes through the rack card, so you can redirect the video. That's the whole remote support thing. Gotcha. That's interesting. I'm, I'm sure most of the people on, on Run As Radio knows about remote access and, and ILO cards, but if you're not as familiar with it, just keep in mind that it's a website. You get a URL. There's a website you go to, and you can get what I call underneath the operating system. So should you have any kind of need for looking to see what the BIOS level settings right, are, right. something in that lovely black um, bootable time, when if you're not physically act at a machine and you don't have one of these kinds of devices, you're sitting there counting to 10 going, okay, is the server right. coming up? This isn't, this isn't a remote desktop connection capability. This is beyond no. that. You get to watch it boot and do the whole thing. Holy cow, you said it was small. I just pulled the specs up from HP. It's 10 by 10 by 8 inches. Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's cool. That's tiny. I'm, it's I'm, very small. I, I've it's, got books from Mark Manassi bigger than that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, this is Mark we're talking about. <laughs> um, the, 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 one of the things that I liked about it when I first saw it is I'm very familiar with the former product that HP sold called the HP MediaSmart Server Home Server Base product. And now you're going to make me cry, right. Kevin. That's exactly what I was Believe thinking. Me, I'm, I'm crying on the inside too. Yeah, um, but I was thinking exactly the same thing. This is where Home Server yeah. went. Yeah, this is kind of where Home Server went. Yes, it it grew huh. up and got it got a business suit. <laughs> so. That's what SBS Essentials is all about and a couple of the other products. But um, this box is about the same height as the original, you know, home servers from HP, mm-hmm. but it's, a, it's much wider. Right. It has the same easy access of drives. So if you want to, you just open up that little front panel and there's none of this, you know, kind of, you know, trying to get in there and, and take screws out and things like that. I mean, it's all like, like open up the panel. And then the drive trays are right there. Yeah. One thing, though, 
they're not hot swappable. Yeah, that's that's one thing that unlike the the home server and some of the other ProLiant servers, it doesn't have the hot swap. But then again, for the price tag, I mean, you're down yeah. at the rock bottom price tag. Yeah, you can probably afford to shut the machine down, change the hard drive, and turn it back on in this exactly. scenario. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know, the other question from a hardware perspective I'd have to talk about this, if we're talking about the scenario, is how well is this thing going to survive in an unair-conditioned, unventilated closet? I can tell you I've put that to the test already. Um, I have some clients that have just that scenario. And i got to say, this box runs extremely cool. It's very quiet. Even if you fully load it with two sticks of RAM and four hard drives, it draws an amazingly little amount of power. I'll let Susan tell you how green it is. But I have had it in a heated environment for a month and had no issues. Hmm. It, it's, it's very, very similar because it's obviously the same form factor as the old, if you remember the old data vaults and the old... Media Smart um, computers from right. HP. It's that same kind of green environment and and the same kind of green technologies. Uh, in my own home environment, uh, when I took out a normal server, you know the ones that sound like a jet engine when they take off, right? Um, and replaced it with the smaller size, this kind of form factor. Um, it paid for itself in about three months because hmm. of the energy wow. drop. You know. As a PG&E shareholder, I obviously wasn't giving myself the same amount of dividends. But then again, you know, that was a good thing. That might be a reasonable trade-off, though, right? So especially if you're in a home environment, if you're looking to maybe replace a home server, or if you even want to uh, play around a little bit, believe it or not, too, this is, I wouldn't recommend a full-blown Hyper-V environment. But if you want to play yeah. around a little bit with a Hyper-V, this little guy can support Hyper-V. Wow. It maxes out at 8 gigs, so you're not talking about a lot. But if you want right. a little tiny test environment where you turn on servers and turn them off, and think, which is what I do in my environment here because I'm a cheap person and I have an overgrown desktop. So if you want that kind of environment for Hyper-V where you don't have necessarily everything running, but you turn things on, turn things off, it's, it's actually very, very nice. For a test Hyper-V environment. Interesting. So this is running the, the the full small business server essentials. Is there anything that's different about it because it's you know it's a OEM thing or is it is it is it small business server essentials and that's what it is? Well, keep in mind uh, the the price stuff that you were saying is for the raw box itself, and I'd actually recommend that as the three hundred dollar price you try and get it as sorry HP without as much RAM as you can. Gotcha. Especially okay. if you want to use it for something else, you want to take out that RAM that HP provided and up it to 8 gigs or whatever you want. So you buy it through. Okay. For the small business server essentials, that one I do not recommend a Hyper-V environment. You want that on the box. And what I do in that case, too, is I um, look to see. Now, recommended are 2 gigs for essentials because, remember, Exchange is not on this box. It's out, it's out-hosted. But I'd probably bump it up more than two gigs. I'd probably bump it to four, just because two gigs to me is so XP era. I mean, especially with Windows 7, I don't buy anything without four gigs and sometimes eight. So to buy a server that only has two gigs for me is kind of like, feels weird. So I'd probably put four gigs on it. Yeah, And, and honestly, RAM is cheap. So eight gig of RAM in this box 
is not going to set you back that much. It's not even going to double the price of the box at all. So this might be a bit of a recap for those who don't know the way around Small Business Server. What is Small Business Server Essentials? There's two family, I'm going to call them um, two brothers now in the Small Business Server line. One is Small Business Server Essentials, and that one is without exchange because they looked at the Small Business product line and went, you know, we really don't have one that is can go on one of these cheaper, smaller um, devices like the microserver. So they took Exchange off and they took SharePoint off, and those two are going to assume to be hosted either in your own mm. environment or with Office 365. Right. And what's left is then it also has that client backup that home server had. So you've got the combination of the small business server wizard and then the client backup that borrowed from home server. Now, it's big brother, small business server standard is the one that you're probably used to with SBS 2003, where it's got Exchange on there, and you really don't want to put that one on this piece of hardware. Right. Because you're really pushing up that, that hardware spec. It's got the beefy Exchange that sucks RAM like there's no tomorrow, and you want to get that on, on one of the bigger HP ProLiant servers. So when you take Exchange yep. and SharePoint out of small business server, is it still uh, a domain controller? It's still yep. file services? Yep. Yep. And the backup solution? Yep. And you still get remote access, too. Right. The same remote web access that is on SPS standard is also on the SPS Essentials. And that remote access mm-hmm. actually allows everyone to get out to their workstations remotely. Correct. Got it. So that's not a... That's a powerful little suite of stuff. Now, how much does having Essentials installed in the box raise the price? If you want it, again, the HP OEM, it actually is below $1,000. Okay. Two sticks of RAM, which I think is 4 gig, and two hard drives. Eight ninety nine For under $1,000, and that includes SBS Essentials. That's And how many seats is that going to support? 25. And wow. you don't need cows. Yeah, no cap. That's the difference between essentials and standard. Right. Essentials is zero to twenty-five is all covered. All one price. All one price. Yep. Where standard, you have to buy the user count. So that's forty dollars a seat full load without under at a thousand dollars for the the whole system. That's astonishingly cheap. Yep. And then remember, we talked about it borrowed its um, client backup from home server. Right. The limit in home server is ten. Hasn't changed. The limit. For small business server essentials is twenty five, and for backups. And gotcha. what are we backing up with that? Im- is it an image of the machine, or is it just the my documents and all that good stuff? It's an image of the machine that's been that as you back up multiple machines, it dedupes it. It's the same backup right. technology from home server. So if mm-hmm. I've got seven Windows seven in the in the office, it's going to take it the backup of the first. It's going to go to the second and say, "Hey, that's the same Windows subdirectory." I don't, it, and it does a bite by bite. I mean, it does a a comparison, you know, at the at the bit level, so it knows exactly which ones are identical. So it's going to go, oh, that's the same right. coding I saw over there. I'm not, I don't need that again. So and then it skips over those parts of the operating system that it does not need to duplicate of. Nice. So I mean, just a couple of terabyte cool. drives stuffed in that thing should be enough to back up all those machines. Yeah, here at my office, I've got um, ten machines I'm backing up right now, and it's less than. 100 gigs, I think, something like that, 200 gigs, 200 gigs, I think it is, because it's looking yeah. at all those same Windows 7s and going, gee, I'm doing that again. I don't need right. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about the detail cool technology. technology. Yeah. It's, if you really want to know more, there's a white paper you can read on it. it it's, it's really slick how they do it, and 
dedupes as it backs up. So it doesn't bring the data across and then go, oh, wait, I already have this. You know, it, it does a checksum against um, the files and the sectors on the hard drive and says, hey, we, do we have this already? Yep, we have that. We don't need to transmit it. So there must be a client on the workstation that's helping with that process. Right. Yes, that's true. And I don't, I know one of the things that stopped me in the past from selling small business server to some clients was I would walk into a client that was peer-to-peer, and I would see XP Home. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get to XP Pro was to basically buy it again. Right. Which, when you looked at the price of SPS 2003, which wasn't that much, it was like 600 bucks, that was a no-brainer decision to get all that stuff. But then to have to go and spend 200 bucks per PC to upgrade from XP Home to XP Pro... Right. That's when I got bounced out the door. Yeah, it's 20 seats of that. It's $4,000. You just blew the budget. You got it. So if you look at, at SBS Essentials, while they while to get full 100% functionality, including remote access, you need to have a business OS. Mm-hmm. They actually, because they're using this little client technology similar to what Home Server had, um, you can actually do this with a home OS. Wow. They're allowing for that. The, for the backups. Huh. Yeah, well, for the backups and, and for also, accessing files on the server. Right. You get a, you get a little connector on the, the workstation, and there's a little, like, um, has the shortcuts and links to the, the network drive. So if you're running the home client in the office, which is not illegal or anything, you can't join the domain, but you can make the file shares work, and the backup still works. Yep. You got it. And they also support a Macintosh. Really? How? Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention that. It it because it works with now um, with the caveat that right now uh, I believe they're still working on the lion, so stay stay down at right. the uh, snow leopard level. But I hear there's there's been some issues on lion anyway. So if you stay on the snow leopard level, um, it actually works with with the um, the time backup, the time capsule, mm-hmm. and uses time that to back it up. Time machine, excuse me. You can tell I'm I'm still a newbie at Apple. I have one, but I'm still a newbie. Better than me. I don't have one. <laughs> so it works with Time Machine to be able to still do backups of the Mac. Yes, and the Macs can access the file shares. And wow. uh, you can actually see the Macs connected if you remote in, but you won't be able to connect to a Mac. Right, cool. right. Now, let's just say that you have a Mac at home and a PC at work. You won't be able to control it, but... The web browser doesn't have to be Internet Explorer if you want to access the files through the remote web access. Nice. You can use Safari. Or you could use Firefox. You don't need to use IE. Um, what about printing? How does that play into this equation if I'm thinking about the things that a small office needs? Yeah, just add the print server role and you're good to go. So it is part of the role suite and it will manage drivers, all that good stuff I'm used to in a full domain. Normal server 2008 R2, and it's a normal domain controller underneath the hood. So anything that you'd normally do, you can do on, on small business server essentials. Mm. They um, just recently released a, um, they call it the Windows 7 Professional Pack, Pro Pack. Okay. Um, bottom line, it's group policy, guys. It, they put a little template on the server, and all it is is just they're putting two group policy templates. That makes it a little bit easier to set them up, and it sets it sets up the you know my docs redirection. It sets up um, 
all of the workstations will hook into Windows Update for their their updates. Um, but to me, it's kind of like, uh, guys, you don't have to really do that. It makes it a little bit easier, mind you. Right. But there's, it's just group policy underneath. Yeah, and nothing special. You could do it yourself. Yeah, these are things you could install on your own, but it's nice to know that they're clearly supported in small uh, business editions. Because I think people always worry about what's been turned off, what's restricted, what am I allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do. Yeah. Just like with SBS standard, it's the normal. You can't have two SBS boxes in the same domain. Right. You can't, you know, the normal kind of trust issues. Um, in case of small business server essentials, it's limited to 25, not 75. Um, but other than that, it's the same. Windows Server 2008 R2 underneath the hood. And, and we can flip up to standard to get to that 75? You, you'd have to do the you'd have to do normal kind of swing process that we do on SBS, where you'd have to join a normal server to the domain, um, and, and you'd migrate over the Active Directory information. And so it's the normal kind of icky migration that, unfortunately, that any, any small business would have to deal with. Right. Well, and it's always, it's always that 26 user that's the one that hurts. Yeah, on Essentials, it's the 26th user. On SBS, it's about the 70th when you go, oh, rats, we're going too big and we're going to hit the wall. We're going to have to change some things and it's not going to be easy. But we'll call in some experts because apparently we have a couple around. There's a few of us. Well, and it's an interesting business model. I got to think that this remote access capability is really useful for you doing your work. Oh, yeah. Well, especially, I mean, back in the not-too-long-ago days, I mean, if you had any kind of scenario, you were getting in the car and driving. Right. Uh, whereas nowadays, with, with the ILO technologies, you're going, okay, let's get to the website. Yes, it's a little awkward. It's never as responsive as being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always a little bit slow, but at least you don't have to get in the car at whatever time in the morning and drive over there. And you are quicker response time. I mean, on the phone, you can be directly connected to that machine. There's not waiting for you to get there, too. So is that yeah. largely your business these days, Kevin and, and Susan? Do you, is that what you do? You've got a host of clients that call you for their support around SBS? Yeah, they call they call for support, and we have service contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the, the, the interesting permutations where you can put SBS essentials, you know, is, is basically as Microsoft's revved SBS from 03 to 08, there was this big price change. Mm. And customers that were used to paying an upgrade fee to go from previous version to the new version, there wasn't an upgrade anymore. It was full price. Ouch. And then the cost of the OS went up. So some of my really small customers, we're talking the under 10 crowd Mm -hmm. that had SBS 03, when it comes down to it, SBS Essentials, in some cases, is a better fit for them. Now, that means moving the mail back out. Right. But, you know, and it's a toss-up whether you use SharePoint or not. They, some of them did, some didn't. We can move that into the cloud. Right. And people, we're kind of in this awkward transition phase. I, I call it the, kind of the teenage years. Mm-hmm. You know, with all the hype of, of the cloud and everything, people are comfortable with some things. They're not comfortable with everything just yet. I mean, you've got the full range of customers that, you know, some are like paranoid that, you know, what ISP is it going through and are they reading my mail? And you know, <laughs> you've got that kind of, you know, client tell all the way up to somebody that says, hey, you know, I just want everything, you know, Google Docs the whole way. And you've got 
a lot of people in this middle that are like, well, I'm I'm comfortable with email being up there because I use, you know, Gmail or, you know, Hotmail and Yahoo Now. Right. But I'm not comfortable with my my customer data or my, you know, what I call the bread and butter. I'm not comfortable with that stuck on a cloud someplace. Right. And I want that where my IT guy can take a look at it and keep it, to, you know, more under control right now. And that's where the essentials box is that happy medium between, you know, your file shares are still close by, but everything else can be where you want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and are you actually working with customers now that are starting to migrate to Office 365? Because I've done a few of these migrations. They're not a trivial effort. I've got to think they're fairly challenging for a small organization. It is not DIY. It's one of my no. keys that that any of the cloud stuff, I mean, let's face it, migration isn't easy. No. And migrating to the cloud isn't easy either. There's a lot of stuff, and you know, you could have to now deal with DNS entry. Yeah. And it's just not this. Oh, so simple. You know, it's not. Yeah, don't let anybody fool you. It's not simple. If you're only dealing with a dozen mailboxes, it's almost easier to just pull a PST, shut the mail down, set it up on the uh, uh, in the cloud, and then use Outlook to import the mail back in. Ugly, but at a dozen seats, they could do it. I mean, it's not an option. We we were migrating six thousand seats, and you know, ADFS is your friend. But uh, I could almost see in a small organization just do it that way. It's close enough. In some cases, that may be the preferred method. I've done migrations before that they're so small; it's it's not worth going through a, a whole migration process. Yeah. Just, you know what? Rebuild the network. It's not that big. Not complex. And then some people also argue that, you know, especially if, if it's a consultant coming in behind somebody else, mm-hmm. and if it's a network that they're not comfortable with, and you just kind of look around and go, oh, boy, oh, boy, you know, where sometimes it's better to, to clean out and start fresh. I have done that, too. Yeah, and, and you know, there's definitely upsides to a, a clean set of ADs. When you only got a dozen or even 20 people, they'll still fit in a room. You can get all the passwords done in a shot. I mean, actually creating an all-new domain and, and starting out fresh is pretty nice. It's uh, it's it's squeaky yeah. clean. It's, it's easy. You set everybody's password to be the same thing on the new server. Right. Then when you're done, you tell you tell the server every password's now expired. Change them all. And the next morning they come in, you hand them a piece of paper that says, this is your temporary password. Just don't tell them they're all getting the same password. And then as soon as they log in, they're prompted to change it, and they can change it to whatever they want. Right. It could be the old password from the old server. Yes. And they don't know anything any different happened. Yeah, no, that, that's, that seems pretty painless, actually, all in all. What about your QuickBooks and, and those sorts of things? Is it any big deal to install this and run it from the, the, the lightweight server? Like anything, because it's Server 2008 R2, the mm-hmm. key that you have to keep in mind is what is supported on Server 2008 R2. Right. If you've got a really, really old QuickBooks that doesn't like the UAC and doesn't won't run on Vista, yeah, you're not going to get it up there. It's it's time to sit the client down and say, okay, we either have to put this on a virtual machine someplace on a really you know the older operating system, or you need to take a look at QuickBooks 2011 and let's upgrade um, because those you know anything like like 2005, 2006, 2007 is not going to go. But like you said, Hyper-V will run on that box. And if it's an old version of, of QuickBooks running on an XP instance, that's a pretty lightweight VM. You got it. Interesting. Interesting combination of things. And, I, and I'm getting the stories of the pain you guys have felt over these, you know, that you jump on dealing with old versions and old hardware and 
because that's what you run into in little offices. You, you really have to look at the line, you know, what runs the business and mm-hmm. what's the key line of business application and go, okay, um, what are you supported on? And, and sometimes you look to as if the old application is no longer in support mode, you know, it's so old that you're the support. Yeah. Sometimes you go, okay, you know what? I'm going to do what I need to do because it's safer to get this in a virtual instance than it is to leave it on that old hardware that's going to die any day now. And that's the bigger issue is that you, yeah. the, uh, this is not an, or these little organizations don't flip their machines every other year. They're five, six, seven, eight years old. They're well out of warranty and they're scary. Yes, they are. And sometimes <laughs> the, you know, also to the, the line of business application, the vendor hasn't coded up a, online version so you can't go the SaaS in the cloud. Right. So you kind of have to look to see, you know, what what's key to that business, what needs to go where. And uh, P2V technologies, in my experience, are magical. They just seem to work. Yeah. Grab that machine, turn it into a VM, and all is well. Yeah, with the less, the cheaper servers, or not cheaper, but we'll call them less expensive servers like the one we've talked about coming along. I know when I've done migrations for some small businesses, people I know that own small businesses, they're always reluctant to have to replace and buy that server because I just bought that one six years ago and it cost me $3,500, right? Right. So they don't, they don't want to replace it. Having a sub $1,000, you know, with SBS type of machine available really changes that story. It does. It makes it extremely difficult for them to say no. Um, you know, I've got customers that right today that I've actually got proposals out for, for SPS Essentials that are currently running the old SPS 03, but only have, you know, five people in the office. Right. Right. Um, one of my clients got, uh, got bought, um, and the parent company has their own mail server. And they said, we're going to take over mail. Okay, not a problem. Move the email over, shut down Exchange on the SPS box, not a problem. We're done. Then as the server came up for replacement, I said, well, you're not, you're using SharePoint, but you're not using Exchange. Uh, let's talk to the parent company. The parent company said, you know what? We're not going to do the SharePoint thing. Uh, we'll do something different. Okay, fine. So we don't need SharePoint anymore. What's left? Just the core file and print and remote access. We can go to SBS Essentials. So we actually went in and, and replaced their server with a microserver running SBS Essentials. And they've been running for two and a half months now and they love it. Nice. Well, guys, it's exciting stuff. It seems like they've right-sized SBS into another niche here. It's it's exciting. Uh, anything else we need to know, places we need to look to learn more about uh, this next generation? A couple of places, uh, in particular for anyone in the United States, and we're actually doing some overseas as well. Um, Kevin and I are both involved in something called the SMB MVP Tour. If you go to smbmvptour.com, it's a bunch of, of SMB MVPs that are going around the world, along with HP and Microsoft, to show people, because uh, especially as, as you yourself reacted to, when you saw the size of it, you go, oh, wow. Um, so we're, even though we're geeks, we still like to see hardware. Yeah. You know, there's something sexy about seeing an actual box and opening up and looking inside. Um, so that's one thing that the tour is doing is going around um, the country and showing hardware and showing the HP hardware and the solutions coming out from Microsoft and HP. Yeah, I built all the kits that are on this worldwide tour. I've still got equipment here that's going to be going out. But the building these boxes uh, has gotten me probably more hands-on experience with the hardware than most anybody else out there outside sure. of HP. 
And when I when I am, am, am speaking, and I've done several of the cities already, I was just in Chicago uh, a little over a week ago, and I'll be in um, Portland and Seattle coming up uh, next weekend. Um, and I'll also be at SMB Nation uh, in Vegas uh, with the kit. So folks that have not seen this hardware, um, definitely go to the URL that Susan gave and sign up, and it's free. Come to the tour. Listen to the content. You're going to hear about some other really cool products. Um, Microsoft Multipoint Server, if you guys haven't talked about that. Think of how SBS is to Windows Server. Multipoint is to Terminal Server. Right. Awesome. But it can go so far down into a very low cost scenario that Terminal Server can't touch. Really cool stuff. We show that. We show some of the hardware that goes with it. Um, you know, the tour shows a lot of different things. Uh, it's three to four hours of content for the compressed show. And then some of the cities that we've done, like Chicago, was an all-day event. And the Portland one is also an all-day event. Awesome. Susan, Kevin, Love thanks so much for telling us all yeah. about this cool new gear. Uh, looking forward to seeing you on the tour. Yeah, thanks to both of you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you much. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio. Run As Radio.